Hello everybody and welcome back to Tuesdays at Alexandra's. It's me, Alexandra, of course. Don't know who else it would be. But guys, I am back for the second week in a row. Um, It feels really good to be back in the podcasting grind. I can't believe I just said that. I am cringing at myself. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Welcome back. So great to have you all. This week's episode is a book recap where I discuss the best books that I read last year and why I think you should read them and go on a couple of tangents, to be honest. I'm recording this introduction after I've recorded the actual body of the episode, which is what I do most times. Um, And at some point I do say how I'm going to also talk about the books that I read in January. I'm not going to do that because the podcast was already getting quite long. So it's just top five books that I read last year. They're really good. They're like not your average, like you've seen them on every list. I think they're really good recommendations. I would obviously recommend them all. Anyway, before we jump on into that, let's talk about how my week was this week. Uh, So Rose and Thorn, of course. Starting with The Rose, I did something on Saturday night, I think it was. Yes, it was Saturday night. I went on a gin cruise with a friend. So if you're from Adelaide, you've probably heard of Popeye, which is like the boats that go on the Torrens and just do little cruises up and down. I've actually never done it, but I on Saturday this week – went on the Popeye and did a gin cruise. They were doing a wine, uh, sorry, a gin tasting for the Kangaroo Island Spirits. It was so much fun. I went with my friend Abby. It was supposed to be in the afternoon but got rescheduled to the evening and we were on the river tasting different gins from Kangaroo Island Distillery, which is one of my favourites, I should say. And we were on the turns as the sunset and it was just so beautiful. Like it, it was so enjoyable. They do all sorts of other t- uh, tasting and tour sort of options. And if you're looking for a fun activity, I would highly recommend. The thorn of my week. You know, I didn't plan this ahead of time, and it's actually a really good thing, I guess, that I don't have a thorn that is immediately coming to mind. Okay, guys, I just spent like three minutes thinking. I genuinely can't think of a thorn. Anyway, favorites of the week. Sort of preluded this earlier, but my first favorite of the week is from the Kangaroo Island Spirits. I went over to their actual distillery when I was in Kangaroo Island last year and I got a bottle of their gin, which is the Mulberry Gin, and it is so cool. The gin itself is like a purple sort of indigo colour and instead of mixing it with tonic, they actually recommend that you mix it with a lemon squash, which I strongly agree with. It works a lot better it's a just a different flavor profile. I don't know. I don't like. I really enjoy gins. I can't say I know a lot about gins. I can talk about wines a bit better than I can talk about gin. But it's yeah, a mulberry flavor. 
Um, if you haven't tried the Kangaroo Island spirits before, they use a lot of Australian botanicals, which gives them a unique sort of flavour. And the Mulberry one obviously has Mulberry in it, which is different again. I don't know how easily you can find it at bottle shops around the country. Like I said, I got it at the actual distillery. But if you can get your hands on it, I would highly recommend Plus, they're a local Australian and South Australian business, and it's always good to support those. My second favourite item of the week is <laughs> equally as random and also another drink, which I could have probably have planned this better, but we're here now. The, the favourite is the minor figure oat milk, and specifically the light oat milk, which is in a light blue sort of container i don't know how much i can really say about oat milk but this one is my favorite i have it every single morning in my coffee i love it it's nice and creamy and delicious and i it's a milk so i can't really rave about it too much but if you drink oat milk or even if you don't drink oat milk try it minor figures the light blue bottle only the white bottle's like good but the light blue is where it's at my Third and final favourite of the week is a makeup item, which is the Hourglass Veil Translucent Setting Powder. I don't do the whole baking trend, which was really popular a few years ago, which is where you really like pack on the translucent powder under your eyes, but I set my face with translucent powder every day i don't tend to wear a lot of makeup to work often i just wear like a concealer some brows and mascara and so i like to set my face because i feel like it just sort of keeps it all in place but i don't necessarily want to use like a press powder or something with any pigment that will make my makeup heavier so i like to do a translucent powder i was previously using the laura mercier translucent powder because that was like the most popular one and everyone recommends it and raves about it but unfortunately i have very sensitive skin and had an allergic reaction to it especially around my eyes which are like the most sensitive part of my face so i switched to the hourglass veil translucent powder because it came highly recommended and I just thought I would try it. They also had it in a mini size. So I was like, cool, if I have an allergic reaction, I can just buy a mini. I've just finished that mini one up. And for reference, I bought that for my birthday last year. So that was in like September, which means the little mini one, which was about $30 odd, lasted me almost five months. I don't wear, I don't, one, I don't use a lot of powder. And I don't necessarily wear makeup every day, but that's, I think, quite good for a travel size. In terms of the product itself, it's really finely milled. I think it did a really good, does a really good job of like setting your face. Again, I'm not allergic to it, so that is a plus. Um, but it just, it's really nice and I really enjoy it and I would highly recommend it. Um, last week, I did a favorite piece of content and I didn't really have any one favorite piece of content this week so instead i thought i would recommend a content creator because it's a similar sort of concept but this is just someone who's generally i enjoy and that content creator that i wanted to recommend goes by claire from where on tiktok if you're not on tiktok she also has an instagram called condiment claire she basically 
is the most fascinating person, if you ask me, because she was, like, has a French parent and I want to say, like, a Greek parent as well. Um, So she, like, fluently speaks French because her father lives on a mill in France. And then she grew up in, like, California but currently lives in London. She's so international. She's so interesting. And all of that is, like, a really interesting part of following her. But beyond that, she loves condiments, which you might have got from the fact that I said her Instagram is Condiment Claire. A little known fact about me, I guess, is that I am a condiment enthusiast. I love anything that I'm eating. I'm putting a sauce with it. I like any sort of sauce I love. And she shares my passion and has the most interesting combinations for food. If you're an adventurous eater, try her combinations. I love weird food combos so I I just love her recommendations but like little things like she makes pancakes and she puts a bit of soy sauce in her maple syrup to give you that like salty sweet umami highly recommend her content and she she um I believe she might have studied food history at university she also went to harvard so she is so intelligent just she's such a cool person but i believe she studied food history and is really well informed on food and cooking and all of that so it makes it a really interesting follow i highly recommend checking her out and then a self-care sort of wellness favorite to round out the favorites of the week is something I'm going to talk about extensively next week, but I'm actually doing KX40 at the moment, and that started yesterday morning. KX40 is um, a like six weeks challenge or a 40 day challenge that the KX Reformer Pilates franchises run. I signed up for it with two of my friends. And we are all, we're doing them together. We've been going to 5.30 a.m. classes together for the last little bit. And basically you do 20 classes in 40 days. So a class every other day. It's just a bit of fun. I'm really enjoying Reformer at the moment. So yeah, that's my wellness favorite of the week. And something that I am going to be talking about next week more in more depth. And then... A little life update since I thought, you know, I'll keep you up to date with what I'm doing. So since I recorded the podcast last week, I had a dinner with my family, my like aunts and cousins and stuff, because it was one of my aunt's birthday. We went to a Chinese restaurant in town. That was really nice. We got hot pot I feel like I'm combining two weeks here but anyway I went out for hot pot one night and that was really cool we got the like wax figurine thing oh I guess it's not wax I suppose it's oil but they like have cold oil that is pressed into a shape we got a little french bulldog and it was so cute and it was like three dollars or something but it was so much fun Um, So that was Friday night. No, that was definitely this week. Okay, it has just been this week. So Friday night I did – Thursday night I did Chinese with my family. Friday night I did hot pot with my friends. Saturday I did the gin cruise that I talked about earlier. And then Sunday I went out with a friend and we did a beach walk. We ended up walking nearly nine kilometres 
if you're from Adelaide, we walked from Glenelg North to West Beach, which is actually quite a way. And we hadn't planned on doing such a long walk when we set out, but we were just gossiping away and we were like, oh, we have walked nearly five kilometers one way. We should probably turn it around. And then, yeah, other than that, it's just kind of been lots of work, lots of just, you know, Pilates classes and things around the house. And then I said I was going to do something new each week. And if I'm being honest, I didn't do anything new this week again, which is so sad. I have something booked in for this weekend that is something new. So I have something for next week. But if you're listening along, I seriously challenge you to try and do something new every week because it's so much harder than you think. And I feel like I was aware of it in this last week. And even still, the week just flew by and I was like, oh, crap, it's been another week and I haven't tried anything new. Anyway, I am rambling at this point. There's so much book content that I am wanting to get into. So I'm going to leave it there and dive right into the top five books that I read in 2021. I wanted to talk with you about some books that I read in the previous year and then also in January of this year because I've been reading quite a lot lately and I read some really incredible books that I thought you all might enjoy and that I highly recommend. So on average, I would say probably that I read a book each week, which means that over last year I read quite a few books. So I selected my top five books of the year. Um, I'm going to summarize them as best that I can without spoiling anything. There's nothing worse than listening to spoilers, I think. So I'm trying to cover them and give you a description and an explanation as to why I liked the book without giving away anything that makes it so special because I would like all of you to listen to these books because I really do think they're that good. In terms of the books that I ordinarily read, I kind of am in that literary fiction sort of genre. I don't read a lot of young adult style novels. I don't really read a lot of sci-fi novels either. I kind of just read your standard literary fiction. I enjoy reading historical fiction because I like history and I love learning about it. I also enjoy reading your like chick lit sort of books you know your romances your rom-com sort of books but I often have difficulty with them because I find them a little bit too predictable and I want something a little bit more intellectually engaging and with a few more twists and turns so I do have some romance and chick lit recommendations but I do read a lot and kind of like eh, they're fine middle of the road but I read them because there's often a lot of hype and so I will talk about them. Um, going forward in the podcast, I'm going to recap the books that I've been reading as I go because otherwise I feel like it's just a big dump of a lot of books. Before I get into the recap, I should also say if any of you are big readers and are not on Goodreads, you should sign up. I really like Goodreads. It's basically like a book social media is how I would describe it you log all of the books that you're currently reading or that you've read in the past. You can rate them on a scale of one to five. Goodreads doesn't allow for half star ratings. And so you'll notice 
all of my books are full stars because I just go by what I rated them on Goodreads. That does mean there can be a bit of a variation in what is a four-star book. Something might be more like a 3.9 and something might be more like a 4.9. So there can be a bit of variation within the stars, but I just go for the whole numbers between one and five. On Goodreads, you can add friends. You can sync it if you read on Kindle with your Kindle. So it just automatically updates books as you read them. You can keep track of your progress. You can keep track of books that you want to read. That's my favorite thing about Goodreads. I like being able to keep track in one place all of the books that I've seen or someone has recommended to me that I want to read. Previously, before I was very active on Goodreads, I would just take photos of book covers when I would go to bookstores. Now I just save them all on my Goodreads. I should also say I've been using Goodreads since I was in high school. So for quite a while, I didn't use it as religiously as I do now. So I have like books going back from, you know, when I read like Twilight and all of those books as a kid. And then I still use it now. I use it now a lot more because it keeps track of how many books I read in a year, what books I like. It makes some recommendations. It allows you to follow authors. I just find it really good. If you have Goodreads, add me as a friend. I don't know what my username is, but I'm assuming it's just Alex Batheris. Moving into the recap of the books, like I said, I am not going to recap all of the books that I read in 2021 because we would be here for hours. So what I have done is I have selected my five favorite books that I read. I actually have six because I'll explain why, but the top five books that I read last year. The first book that I want to talk about, which was my favorite book that I read last year, is Portrait of a Mirror by A. Natasha Dukovsky. This is my favorite book that I read last year, but also maybe my favorite book that I've ever read. I like, I think it actually is. And the reason I'm hesitant is because I'd previously always had the same one for like the last decade. But really, this is my favorite book that I've read ever read. So unsurprisingly, I rated it five stars. A random note with this book is that I would recommend reading it on Kindle because it has um, it uses a lot of vocabulary that you don't tend to use day to day. And so being able to use the dictionary feature on a Kindle is really helpful because you can just highlight a word, it tells you what it means, and then you move on and keep reading. I thought that this book – hold on, I'm jumping, I'm jumping right in. So the book basically follows – the lives of a couple of wealthy young couples in New York, Washington, that sort of um, northeast of America. And it details their relationships and their careers as young professionals and what they're doing with their lives. It's kind of like an adult version of Gossip Girl or books about private school, like that sort of a genre. And when you read, when you hear that summary, you're like, oh, I don't really understand what makes this so special, why this would be your favorite book. What makes this book so special is that it takes just the ordinary sort of characters, like your rich, privileged young adults, but it is actually a retelling of the narcissist story. And that's a theme that's really woven into the plot and resurfaces. And more than that, 
in it being a retelling in a really interesting sense. It is just so beautifully written. The author uses technology and social media throughout the plot and that's interwoven into the plot and I think it's really well executed. A lot of times I find when books reference social media and incorporate like Instagram posts or text messages, it can be kind of cringy, but I thought in Portrait of a Mirror it was just flawlessly executed and it was interesting and not like, oh, I could have done without that. But it it yeah, it added to the plot, whereas I think a lot of times the use of social media and books actually detracts from it, or I'm sure there was another way that it could have been incorporated. But here I think there was no other way that it could have achieved the same effect and also created the same ambience. Now I said that the book was really well written and I think that the best way that I can describe what happened is towards the end of the book when the plot is reaching like the climax and it's all happening. I legitimately felt like I was reading or watching even a masterpiece play where all of the characters and elements and themes that had been building up and being worked on throughout the story came together and I, I'm actually not exaggerating when I say that as I was reading this scene, it felt like I could hear a crescendo of an orchestra just sort of scoring the scene in the background. I've never experienced anything like that before with a book. And I actually called my mum and raved about how incredible it was. It was just it's this book is a literary masterpiece. That is all I can say. It will be not everyone's cup of tea because it is it's it's very literary and so if you're more interested in plots and characters and you know punchy storylines I don't know that you'll love it but it it just it blew my mind it was phenomenal I just I wouldn't recommend it to everyone because a lot of the themes in the book talk about art and philosophy and the classics and you know like a classical like Greek and Roman antiquities and literature and everything. But you also have to be interested in the banalities of 20 something and rich kids going shopping and living life and going out to a bar. So you have to have a unique set of interests, but I think this book is like literally me and a person. It captured all of my interests, interest in the more serious aspects of life, but interested in the more everyday rich kid aspects of life. And I think it really melded those two worlds together in a way that was flawless. I don't know who I'm recommending this book to, but if any of you read it, please like message me and talk about it. No one I know in real life has read it. And I just, I want to talk about this book with someone because it was incredible and I loved it so much. And I just so highly recommend it. Anyway, I'll move on, but seriously, someone please read this book and then send me a message that you read it because I would like to discuss it with someone in real life. The second best book that I read in 2021 was Piranesi by Susanna Clarke. I also rated this book five stars. I've never read anything by Susanna Clarke before, but I think I need to after having read this book. I will say when this book was recommended to me, the person that recommended the book said that it's best if you know nothing about the book going into it 
so and they even said to go as far as don't read the summary or the blurb on the back of the book just purchase it and dive right in I would highly recommend doing the same thing so I don't really want to recap it all that much but I'm going to try my best without actually talking about the plot this book was really really good it has just the most gorgeous prose it's different from Portrait of a Mirror which I talked about where it combines a lot of themes and is very literary. This book was just the language and the prose was just artistic. It was it was really gorgeous and it was it was really enjoyable to read. The book's a little bit unusual and it's going to take you a minute to get into it. For the first couple of chapters you will probably be very confused and sort of like what world am I in? But it's explained very quickly very early on in the book and you understand what exactly is going on and the world that they're in and after the first few chapters you don't really have any questions because it just clicks and you'll be up to speed. The main character of this book was just so sweet and I just I, I felt so much affection for the main character in a way that I don't usually feel. I just wanted to protect them and like wrap them in bubble wrap because they are just so tender and pure. And there were so many instances in this book where my heart like physically ached for the main character. I don't really want to say anything more because like I said, I feel like just going into this book book blind is the best thing. Um, a, a little note for anyone who's interested in the book. The book is very short. It's probably only like 150, 200 pages and was a very quick read. I read it in a weekend when I was on holidays away with friends doing a lot of things and I still finished the book in a weekend. I would encourage everyone to read this. If you like sci-fi sorts of books, I would recommend this one as well because this might be more like the most sci-fi-ish and it's not sci-fi, but sci-fi fantastical of all my recommendations. The third book that I, my third best book from 2021 was Victoria the Queen, an intimate biography of the Roman woman who ruled an empire by Julia Bade. <laughs> this sounds like such a random book recommendation, but please bear with me. Um, I rated this book four stars, but honestly that seems low. It was more like a four and a half stars but like I said I only use full numbers so I rated it four stars. This was the first book that I read in 2021 and it was a Christmas gift from my younger brother James. Probably not something I would actually have picked out for myself but it sent me reading on a very it sent me on a very historical reading journey and I'm so grateful that my brother bought this book for me because it was really very very good. This is a long book. It is like 650 pages and it's it's academic, I would say. It's not like your typical story where it's like, oh, this is a, a fictional tale, which also is like about the Queen, Elizabeth, uh, Queen Victoria and like, you know, some of the history is woven in. No, this is like a history book. The author, Julia, is a history, a historian, um, she did all sorts of research and access all sorts of historical archives and was so well informed on the subject. So it's very academic, but that doesn't mean that it was dry or unenjoyable. 
This is one of the most enjoyable historical, like academically historical books that I have read. There was not really a plot line because it just sort of details the life of Queen Victoria's life starting from a very young age. But the Julia, who's the author, was able to sort of weave a story together where you became invested in what was going to happen next and in the Queen. I wouldn't say that it is at all a plot-driven book, but because it is character-driven, I would still recommend it for people who want to learn more history but also aren't necessarily, like, very big history nerds. I really like Queen Victoria mostly because I think she reigned at an interesting time because she kind of was, like, there to usher in the modern era. But I haven't actually really learnt all that much about her and I wouldn't say I was all that familiar with who she was and some of the key, um, the key like, challenges of her rule. So this book was a really good – it filled a really good gap in my knowledge. I thought the most interesting part of this book was Queen Victoria's relationships. So her marriage – the way that she approached raising her children. She was, for those of you who aren't aware, very strategic in having her children marry into the various royal families across Europe at the time. And she was very – she was really intelligent and really motivated by trying to create a united Europe because all of the siblings were on all the various different thrones – Obviously, that didn't work because World War One and World War Two happened, but she was really trying to prevent that by getting the siblings all in positions of power. And I thought that was really interesting and really strategic, and I just thought it's not what I expected from Queen Victoria. I, like, I was aware that her, her children were in the various royal families, but I didn't realize how much she had to do with that. I will say I think the author did a very good job of balancing her clear admiration and respect for Queen Victoria, but also a scholarly criticism of the accuracy of the records that we have about Queen Victoria and her reign. And I think something that is a really interesting point that was raised by the author was censorship and the re-recording of history. A lot of the diaries that Queen Victoria wrote were later, like following her death, rewritten and edited and changed by her daughter. So I think it raised really interesting points about preserving untampered, uncensored historical records. And I thought this was a really insightful point. Didn't, again, this was not something I expected to take away from the book, but it was something that really has stood with me because I read this book so long ago now. And it's, I think about it a lot. The fourth book that I'm going to recommend is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I rated this book four stars. It was a very good book. It's a chick lit romance sort of book. I'm sure you've all heard of this book. I'm sure everyone has been recommended it. I'm sure you've seen it on BookTok or just everyone talks about this. There is a lot of hype around this book. And I understand why it's uh, before I read this book, honestly, I was sort of like out of reading romance and that sort of uh, like genre, but this brought book brought me back into it and it was really fun. And it's, it's nothing super serious. Uh, basically the story is um, the 
narrator is a journalist and she's been contacted by this famous movie star Evelyn Hugo to conduct an interview. Evelyn doesn't do a lot of interviews and the journalist is like, why me? I'm not even that famous. Like I'm sort of quite young in my career. Why did I get picked? When she goes to meet Evelyn, Evelyn basically is like, oh, you're going to write my biography and she doesn't offer ex- any explanation why she picked this journalist at first. And it, the story is just sort of like a book inside a book where it's like, am I reading the biography that the journalist was writing or am I reading a transcript of the interview that Evelyn was telling, which I really like that. I think that's a really fun trope. I, I really enjoy it. So Evelyn, the character who's the, the main character, that the book's about she was married seven times to the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo and those husbands aren't really the main plot point which I thought that they would be from the name of the book they sort of are just used as useful like characters and delineations of different lessons and different periods within Evelyn's life I thought this book was just a really fun light-hearted read that still touched on some more serious topics and had some really authentic moments a really random thing that I'm not sure I'm telling you this, but like I'm telling you anyway, my book, I bought the hard copy book was missing 50 pages. I have never had this happen to me in my life. I was on like page like 304 or something and it just jumped to page 350, which was truly the most the most annoying thing that's ever happened to me in reading a book because it was like right like it was really like the story was I was well into it and then my book just jumped ahead and I didn't realize it had jumped ahead so I just kept reading and I read another 15 pages and I was so lost and I spoiled things for me so like this is random but maybe check that your book has all of the pages if you buy a hard copy in Australia because mine didn't and it kind of like ruined the story a little bit because I jumped ahead, read ahead and realized I was missing some context and then had to stop reading to go get a new copy. And yeah, like it really was disruptive. So random side note. Anyway, all of that aside, this is the book that I recommend to anyone when they say, oh, I haven't read in a while. I want to get into reading. I don't really read a lot. Like what would you recommend? It's just, it's just a good book. It's punchy it moves at a good pace I feel like it's the most similar to watching television or a movie in a book format so I think that's really good and I think that's really enjoyable and so if you're someone who doesn't read a lot I would start here and I think you'll really enjoy it and I think it'll sort of open a lot of doors and like get you back into reading or get you into reading if you have never been a reader and I know a lot of people have said that so I think that's a I think that's something to take into consideration the fifth book that I included in my top five from last year is King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hotchchild Hotchchild I can't say that name it's a very simple name I don't know anyway King Leopold's Ghosts by Adam Hothschild. I rated this book five stars, and even though it was one of three books that I rated five stars, I put it fifth on my list because I don't think this is a book I would recommend to everyone. I don't think this is an ordinary sort of book that people would want to pick up. I think it's – let me explain what the book is about and then why I think it's not for everyone but why I really enjoyed it. So the book – 
basically is a story about colonialism in Africa and in particular in Congo. I realize that this is a really heavy topic, which is why I sort of put it fifth on my list. And I don't want to, you know, like make the podcast really heavy and get into colonialism and slavery and how horrific a period that was. But I also think that this was probably the most impactful and the most important book that I read last year. And so I want to include it because I think we need to have conversations about this. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, the king of Belgium, King Leopold, was obsessed with his country, Belgium, having an African colony. Like, an obsessed is the only appropriate word. This man was mad with power. He was greedy. He was clearly had some sort of an inferiority complex some sort of an inferiority complex in that Belgium was a small country. He thought it should have been more important and more significant in global affairs. And so he wanted to own a piece of Africa so that he could increase Belgium's importance in the global political economy. This was in a period after most other countries were going and colonizing Africa. So a lot of the French and Portuguese and uh, English countries were sort of like, oh, like, this is a dicey period. Like, maybe we should not be colonizing Africa. And again, that's kind of giving them a bit too much credit. But it was sort of he at a time where everyone else was like, yeah, let's maybe move away from slavery. Let's not colonize as aggressively he was like, no, I, I want a territory. I want it. I, I am getting myself a territory. And so the book is about what he did and colonial, so colonialism in the Congo and what he did to secure himself the Congo. And it is, it, it was atrocious. It, there's no other words. The magnitude of violence and death that came about because of this man was horrific. At first, a lot of the 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 Belgium activities. At first, a lot of the Belgium activities in the Congo was to do with the slave trade, but as that sort of wasn't as profitable for King Leopold, he then moved to the rubber trade. And guys, this was it was so gory. If you're not familiar with what happened in the Congo, I I can't say I blame you because I was grossly uninformed on it, which is a really interesting point because one of my favorite books, or not favorite, because that's really perverse, one of the best books that I had ever read in high school was Heart of Darkness, which is about the Congolese slave trade. And despite that being the book that I was always like, oh, it's one of my top three books I've ever read. I recommend everyone to read it. I never put two and two together that there was the slavery that was detailed in the heart of darkness also happened in real life. And there must be more that I didn't know about. And the author of the book actually touches on this because he had that same revelation as well. And I think it was, for those of you who don't know, it is estimated that as many as 10 million people died because of the rubber trade and the slave trade in the Congo. That is a massive number of people. And 
it's just it's it's not taught in school like i studied history in high school i've taken history university courses which is actually why i read this book i should say this was an assigned book for a history course that i took at university and i did an exam on this book which was a spoken exam and i'm so grateful that i did that subject because it like i i would have probably still not known about what happened in the Congo in the 20th century had I not read this book or taken that subject. And which is why I'm including this book, because I think it's important. And even though it's, like, heavy and not what people ordinarily read, I think everyone should read this because it was difficult, but it was just it, – it's so important. Um, <laughs> I, when I read this book, I literally didn't shut up about what happened in the Congo to everyone. And I was – to all of my friends, I was like, did you know what happened in the Congo? Do you know about the Congolese rubber trade? Like, you you probably don't because I don't and we should talk about this. At my work, I kept talking about the Congo to the point where I think everyone in my life was like, oh, my God, Alex, you need to stop talking about what happened in the Congo. But now I'm still, <laughs> like, six months later talking about what happened in the Congo and this book because I think you guys should read it and learn a bit of history and I think the author did a really good job. This book was more academic, more scholarly than the Queen Victoria book that I previously recommended. But I think that everyone should read it and learn more. Now, because that fifth book was a bit of a random recommendation and not necessarily a book that I was recommending for enjoyment, but rather for education, I've decided to throw in a bonus recommendation just to sort of like round out and lighten up the mood for my 2021 books. And now this book could not be a bigger pivot from the King Leopold's Ghost, but my sixth, the bonus recommendation is It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. I rated this book four stars. It is a romance book. It is a true romance story. Uh, it's the enemies to lovers trope. Basically, the main character is like an L.A. party girl who takes it one step too far and her stepfather banishes her to the Pacific Northwest to this little like king crab fishing town. And for the first time in her life, she has to fend for herself. Of course, she immediately becomes enemies with this attractive man and they fall in love. It's like it's so lighthearted, beach sort of read. Um, yeah, like I can't really say too much about it and it feels so silly to be talking about this after talking about such serious topics, but it is such a fun book. It was really good. If you're getting into reading or not a big reader, read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and then read this book and you'll be hooked. You'll love to read. Like you'll be back on it. I will say, just so you guys know, there are some steamy scenes in this book. Do with that information what you will. Okay, I had originally planned on also recapping the books that I read in January in this episode. But I, when I came to edit this podcast, realized that it took me like half an hour to discuss the top five books from 2021. So... Book episode part two coming sometime soon. I'll probably give you a break because I don't know if two book episodes in a row is what the people want. But anyway, I'm going to leave it there for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, glad to have done two podcasts in a row. I know no one was expecting this. Um, and that's it. I will catch you all next Tuesday. Bye, guys.